Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 55 and we are super excited to have Tim Bush on today. Thank you so much for coming on, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk about retail right now because there's so much going on with, uh, with, you know, coronavirus and there, you know, especially brick and mortar, so many things opening and closing. And of course, Tim, I know that you are an incredible expert in the retail industry, especially with big box retailers. But why don't you tell our audience and our listeners a little bit more about you and your background? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, I'm always excited to talk about retail. Um, hard to get me to shut up about it, actually. But so my, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim Bush. I'm the owner and founder of TLB Consulting, uh, where we, we coach and help people get their products into big box retail. I'm also the host of the On the Shelf podcast, which you can find at ontheshelfnow.com or, or any of the um, uh, podcast platforms out there. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's me. And uh, yeah, we've been around uh, with TLB Consulting. This is our 11th year, so we're pretty excited. That is so amazing. Um, so what is going on in big box retail right now? And what do you think the future looks like? Yeah, I, well, I mean, it depends on what type of big box you're in, right? If you're in food, if you're in grocery, you're crushing it right now. You can't keep stuff on the shelves and they're hiring. Uh, so if you have anything to do with food, or um, I was just on the phone with a Costco buyer uh, two days ago from Canada who said that in, in Costco, Canada, uh, home improvement flying off the shelves, you know, and he doesn't understand it. He's like, you know, who wants to, who's redoing their basement, you know, during a, a virus crisis, you know, um, but that is flying off, organization is flying off the shelves, which I think is interesting because a uh, container store here in the U.S. decided to, to close down during the virus, but that is, um, I think they would be crushing it if they had stayed open. So it really depends on what type of retail you're in. Uh, if you're in clothing, if you're in uh, home accessories, if you're not an essential retailer and you're closed right now, you're hurting. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. The, the retailer's losing money every day. But those buyers are still buying and they're still looking for products. And I talk to them daily. Um, you know, just uh, right before we got on, I had an email from Walmart, which is an essential retailer and they're still open. But um, but there's still commerce going on and that commerce is going to extend into, uh, you know, post everybody says when we get back to normal. So I don't try to use that. I just say post COVID-19 crisis, uh, whatever that's going to look like for everybody, uh, it's going to be a different time, but, uh, I expect most retailers are going to come back and, um, and how it's going to look and what it's going to be like and what people are going to be interested in and how their lives are going to change. I think that remains to be seen. And I think if there were retailers that were on the on the cusp of going out of business before this, yeah, probably the 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 last blow that they needed, and they're probably not going to be able to to finance their way out of it or 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 restructure their debt out of it. You know, guys like I don't know Sears, uh, you know, maybe Macy's. Um, um, I still think you know Bed Bath and Beyond is, is is a struggle. You know, their stock is like at five bucks. Um, which with, with a big do not buy, uh, uh, you know, recommendation on it. So I, I don't know how they're going to come out of this, but you know, they own a couple of things that might prop them up, but yeah, Tim, uh, to, 
Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead I was ahead. just going to ask about like what what I'm a little worried about is just you know driving down Main Street in my small little town here in Sebastopol, California, is all those little boutiques. I mean, I'm just like terrified. I mean, you know, I love um, you know I, I'm a technology guy. I shop online. I very rarely go to those stores, but what I'm afraid of is that this is just going to push everybody online. And, you know, what do all those, all those buildings downtown, you know, there's only so many coffee shops and restaurants that you can cram into a small town. What do those spaces look like? Um, you know, if those, if those companies uh, go under. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing about it. And this is just my opinion, but normally when retailers start to struggle and they go in, they go out, especially, especially specialty, it's a it's a it's an individual thing. That retailer's hurting, they're not getting the traffic, therefore they don't make the money, therefore they can't pay their rent, so they gotta go out of business. What we're dealing with right now is a global situation. So in your street, all these retailers are dealing with the same thing. They're all hurting in the same way, no matter how much cash they had, that cash is bleeding off every day. So those uh those landlords at some point have to be and work with those retailers to bring them back online because the last thing that those landlords need is a whole row of empty empty retailers. So I have to believe that across the board, across the world, landlords are going to be working with their tenants to keep them in business um, and and help them come back. Otherwise, uh, the you know the the systematic decline will just be a chain reaction down you know down the road with all the things that rely on those on those small retailers being open. I also think this is probably the best time. As we come out of this, the best time, if you wanted to open a specialty retailer, this is the best time to do it. People are going to want to go shopping. They're going to want to go to the coffee shop. They're going to want to get, you know, we had to shop online. We were forced to shop online. And before it was convenience. And now it's like, man, the things I used to go pick up at Walmart, I'm now going online for, you know? So I, I think I'm going to look forward to getting out and shopping. And those smaller retailers, even to bigger retailers that can create an experience are going to be on top when this whole thing, you know, when people start going outside again, when people start shopping again, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly that it's, it's really going to, uh, to pick up. I would love to ask you about Q4. You know, Q4 is such a big deal. And I know a lot of retailers are already making their orders for this Q4. Do you think that shopping habits will change do you think that some of the things that retailers have purchased for their stores will not sell as well as they would have? Um, and how important with, with um, COVID-19, how important is Q4 to brick and mortar retailers this year? Yeah, well, I think, I, well, I think Q4 is huge to, to, to this year, any year. Um, it, it, sets the, it always sets the tone for disposable income, right? If we have a good Q4, people had a good year. Uh, I, I'm interested also, I think it's important. I don't know as 
what what is going to be important to people coming out of this crisis. I think everybody's had a chance to sit in their house and think about things that are important, take a look at their house, or, you know, what do I want to spend my, what do I really want to spend my money on? Right now, they're spending, if you have kids, you're spending your money on toys and video games because you're doing anything that you can to keep your kids busy, um, you know, because your people are just pulling their hair out because uh, they haven't had their, you know, to them, this is the longest summer ever. Um, but I don't know what's going to be important to people. I think everybody individually will choose how they do their money. I certainly think disposable income is going to be less. Um, you know, I keep saying that, but like I said in a Facebook live on, on my page, when I was walking the other day, I saw somebody unloading a, uh, uh with a big bow on it. I, um, uh, a Lamborghini SUV, uh, you know, that obviously somebody was getting as a gift. And I was thinking, you know, it's such a contrast, you know, here I am in front of this house, they're unloading this $200,000 car and other people are just, you know, trying to get by. So um, I think it's important for the economy that Q4 does well. I think it's important that people get out. And I, I agree with, I agree with you agreeing with me. I don't think that, that people don't want to go to retail. What I think is, is they want a reason to go to retail and that's on the retailers, that's on the buyers, that's on um, uh, these people that are running these retail stores to start to create an experience that makes it worth it to go in there. You know, retail declines because of bad buying. That's just it, you know. If the if the retailers don't wanna be cookie cutter, I'm only gonna buy the same thing that this retailer buying and this one, because I don't wanna step out, I don't wanna make a, a bad decision, then that's what they're gonna get. They're gonna be the same as everybody else. It, and the Interesting enough, the the retailers that are going away, that's not a, necessarily a, a bad thing. Think about your own product on Amazon, for instance. If you put a product on Amazon and you have 30 other people selling the exact same thing in the exact same way, you're going to struggle. And right now, you can go into multiple retailers. It doesn't matter who you go into. You see the same stuff. And so if you take out part of that, uh, 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 if you take out some of that, choice. Those people are still going to go to retail. They're just going to be pumping up the retailers that they go to. Those retailers are going to be stronger. They're going to be more well-funded. They're going to be able to turn their merchandise better. And uh, overall, it'll be, it'll be a healthy environment to push product into. Right now, you know, if you go into Bed Bath & Beyond, their product sits for a long time. You know, they're not turning product very fast because their traffic isn't that fast. But you take them out of the equation, Target, JCPenney's, all these companies, boom, their traffic goes up because even the small amount of traffic that was going into Bed Bath spread across the entire country will boost other retailers if they were to go out or so, vice versa if JCPenney's goes out. So Tim, really quick, something I, I've been thinking about a lot lately though is, um, you know, people are, are we, you know, we're, we're a certain way and, and I think it's like the, the, the number is 30 days to, to set a, um, uh, a new habit, habit right? And lots of people are shopping online right now, like um, like Prime Now, right? Which is the grocery, Whole Foods grocery delivery. We've been using that for years because we have three little kids, and trying to take three little kids into the, you know, into the into the store is, you know, a nightmare. So we've been using that service forever. If you go on that app right now to try to order something, it says we have no delivery. It's been that that way for like two weeks, and the, you can't even sign up for Prime Now right now. So my question to you is, I agree with you is I don't think retail is dead, but I sort of disagree in terms of, I think that, that this is going to push more people online just because they're, they're right now getting used to the convenience, the, you know, just the way of doing that. And so I, 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 but I think what you're saying and, and correct me if I'm wrong is 
is that may happen, but because all these other, you know, retailers like Bed Bath and Beyond are going to go away, the strong, you know, brick and mortar retailers aren't going to feel that pinch because they're going to kind of just soak up the business um, that's going to evaporate from, from some of those other weak retailers. Yeah. First, let me say, hopefully I don't get a letter from Bed Bath that says, listen, we're not going out of business because we keep like using them as a whipping post right now. But um, I don't know that they're going out of business and I love doing business with Bed Bath. So, uh, uh, but to your point, yeah, I think anytime one thing goes away and it forces people to go another way and when things snap back, there's always going to be a percentage of people that tried it, liked it, stick with it. You know, once we started delivering to my mother-in-law's house, uh, um, basics from Amazon, toilet paper, tissue paper, and all that stuff that we didn't have to pick up. Of course, once we tried it and saw how easy it was, boom, then we never bought those things for her again in regular uh, uh, grocery. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it would take a huge percentage, you know, something like 20%, 30% to stick with what they're doing online right now to cause there to be some major shift. Yeah, I think it's going to keep some people for some things, but not, but not everything. Um, just like I think there's a lot of re, uh, companies out there that have been resisting letting their employees work from home, you know, all this time. No, we have to be here in the office. We have to have face-to-face -face meetings. Now that they're forced to have their people at home, they're probably finding out, hey, maybe I don't really need this huge office. This is not so bad, uh, you know. And so I think there's a lot of things where people will have tried it for the very first time and stick with it. Um, but uh, um, I don't know if it'll be enough that we'll literally see retailers falling down because of that. But yeah. again, to, to my point, though, they have to be smarter. You have to have a reason to want to go to a, a, a brick and mortar retailer. And right now, the way we buy uh, or the way they buy, it, it struggles to give people that that reason. You know, they have to sell stuff that you can't get readily or you want to look at or, or, or they have new trends every time. So. Um, you know, uh, I think they're also going to have to shift their thinking to become more creative. I think that it's interesting, you know, all of this talk, I, I agree that I'm going to want to go to the stores that make my experience interesting. I'm not going to want to just go out and buy toilet paper because I can just get that on Amazon, right? Uh, but I do love the idea of specialty retail. I love the idea of how some of the larger uh, brick and mortar stores are really becoming more creative. But let's talk about our listener base. Our listener base is online e-commerce sellers, right? And I think it's interesting. So many of us, myself included, we're looking forward to moving into retail because, you know, Amazon is only, what, 10% of all of retail and there's so much opportunity in retail. But I would be lying if I didn't say that the events of recent uh, have really made me reconsider the opportunity of retail. Uh, especially, you know, lately I'm a big fan of Shark Tank and every episode I've watched lately, when someone mentions that they want to get into retail, the sharks say, why would you want to do that? Stay online. What are you doing? And that is a very different tune to what they used to say. They used to see an opportunity for retail. Yeah, I'll help you get on every shelf. Yeah, we can scale this thing. And now the tune is very different. They say, stay online, stay away from. So I would love to talk about what is the opportunity 
for people that are mostly e-commerce that are sticking on, you know, even e-commerce channels such as walmart.com, jet.com, you know, why would, uh, what is the opportunity for e-commerce sellers to want to expand into retail? Is there an opportunity there that would be appealing to them at this time? And, and what would it be? That sounded super like news person interview question-ish thing. So that was, I was like, and what would it be? I liked it. Um, all right. Well, there was a lot of questions in there. So um, let me for, let me first say the opportunity in brick and mortar retail is the same as it's always been. So it's the opportunity to expand your brand. It's tough to build a brand on Amazon only. It's tough to be a recognized brand on Amazon only. If you want to get to the point where you have a diversified portfolio where you're not relying simply on one channel or another. So right now, if you had good business on Amazon, you're good right? Things are going good. Uh, you probably are seeing an increase in, in business being an Amazon seller. And if you were only in retail, it's things are rough for you unless you're selling food. Um, or, or like I said, some toys or, or some of the other things that are really hot right now. Uh, but as we come out of this, things will, things will e even out. And if you want to grow your brand, then you need to diversify your portfolio, where you sell your product and how you sell it. And who you're offering it to. Otherwise, you're always going to be a slave to whatever that one channel is doing. So if you're only selling Amazon and all of a sudden your listing gets suppressed or you have a hijacker or you have, you know, I have a client right now who, who brought out a product and it was doing really well, but now there's like 20 people that are selling products just like his on, on Amazon, which was what brought him to me because he's like, well, there's nobody that really sells my product in retail yet. So let me diversify off onto retail. Those things will still exist. Um, here's a couple things I, I think people need to know. And Amy, you talk so much about this. You know, I talk about it. Everybody that knows talks about pricing and, and 7X and 10X. And um, it will be more important than ever to make sure that you have enough margin when you go into retail so that you can work with retailers to promo your product uh, um, take advantage of their promotional opportunities that they have. If you try to go into retail and you have a 2X or 3X, you're going to struggle. And it, in fact, I probably would tell you if you came to me with 3X, I would just say, yeah, until we get this higher to six or seven, you're, you're not going to be able to do it. Um, so, you know, if you're getting into the game right now, if you're out there and you're thinking about your products, uh, this is more important than it's ever been before. Flexibility is going to be important. Your ability to um, work with the retailers. I mean, I have a client that we started working with Costco in late October last year. We have over a million and a half dollars worth of outstanding POs with them. But this company will go down in history as like the rock stars of all my clients because they first had to deal with holiday. Then it was Chinese New Year. Then it was COVID-19 in China and nobody came back from Chinese New Year. So we had to push all our POs. Now the COVID-19 is here and Part of the product that they make, uh, they can't get the material for because it's being used to make masks. So they're just hitting all these roadblocks all the way and they're just crushing through them. But you have to be flexible. You have to be able to understand that things are going to happen and people are going to come to you and there's going to be challenges. Um, so I still think, you know, I still think online is awesome. I think people should sell it. The first thing I tell people is, do you have your own website? Are you on Amazon? Those are first two crucial steps but 
just like in stock, just like in anything, can't put your eggs all in one basket. Uh, it's a good time for me to mention, right? My uh, pricing course just launched today. Um, is off pre-sale finally, um, and it's ready for people to, so tlbconsulting.com slash courses. Uh, we have a pricing your product for retail course that just came out is live today. Yeah. And that was actually bringing me to my next question. So you brought up pricing, you brought up how that can really stop you from expanding. It can even stop you from doing well on Amazon. I have many, many clients on Amazon that only have a 2X or a 3X and they're really having a tough time because they don't have enough profit margin left over to buy more inventory. They run out of money. So it's really important to you know, make sure that you have enough margin, not only to scale your business, but also to, to do well on every channel that you're wanting to get into. And so I, I love that you also focus on that. And so you've got this new course on, on pricing your products for retail. Why is it important to price your product first and correctly? And then on Amazon as well, like do your Amazon prices matter when it comes to expanding into other channels? Yeah. I, well, so I think that when people have an idea, I'm going to put my product in Amazon. And so what they do is they price it just for Amazon. Because right now that's my focus, that's my goal. I got it on Amazon, I'm good. What you need to do is you gotta price your product across all the channels. So uh, club store, big box, specialty, Amazon, your own website, distributor, and make sure that you're in good margin, uh, you're, you have a good margin opportunity in all the different channels. Because once you're on Amazon and maybe you start playing a little bit of a pricing war, you drop your prices, so, but on Amazon, your margins are still okay. But then you wanna diversify and now you can't. Now you're stuck. You have zero options. Um, you know, options are everything when it comes to running a business, being able to pivot and change and do this and go here. And if you don't have enough margin in your product, if you didn't take a look at all your channels, then when you do want to move and have an option and change and go here and go there, you can't do it. And so that's, that's why it's important. And then also it used to be, uh, and you can correct me, Amy, if I'm wrong, but I used to hear a couple of years back, it's a good thing if other people sell your product on Amazon, you know, it, it shows like, uh, you know, that, that, you know, it's not just a monopoly, but today other people start selling your product. The only way for them to beat you is to beat you by a little bit of price so they can gain buy box advantage. And next thing you know, then you're trying to beat them and then they're trying to, and it's just this race now down. So um, I think when you're pricing on Amazon, you need to be, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, a, you need to be the only one selling your product on Amazon. Otherwise you're going to be fighting people, even people that you sell your products to, to win that business. Um, and that's no good for your ability to sell your product elsewhere. No retailer wants to buy your product if they see a price war going on online. Yeah. yeah I think the hard part about that is just that when you do go into bigger box retail, it's really hard to prevent a reseller from buying mm -hmm. your product and for example, if they buy your product at Kohl's and they use Kohl's cash, they don't care if they put your product's price down to a dollar because they didn't pay anything for it. They're making their money on the back end, right? So if you expand into retail, it's really hard to control your pricing on Amazon because you're going to have resellers jumping on your listings and there's nothing you can really do about it. But that being said, I think that it's, it's also, you know, about not just having all of your eggs in the Amazon basket and, you know, Amazon not being so, so important to your overall picture. And if you're making, 
major sales in all of the major retailers, Amazon is probably a smaller portion of your equation of, of controlling that, that pricing as far as that goes. So yeah, I, I would agree. It's kind of a, it's a balance and you know, with brand registry now, it's a little bit easier to sometimes, um, to control your contracts and stuff with your people who are authorized to distribute and sell your products. Well, and the good news is, is retailers don't really hold you accountable for retail arbitrage. Um, so if you have a guy out there that has two or three pieces of your product, they put it on Amazon and crush the price. Uh, you might get a call from your buyer, but you can literally say, listen, I'm not out there selling my product to people to put it on retail. If somebody bought it at your store and then they retail arbitrage you on Amazon, I, that's not me. Um, so I can tell you full on that we control our product on Amazon. We don't sell to other people. Nobody's allowed to sell it on there, but this is simply retail arbitrage. They're going to be there. They're going to sell a couple of units and be gone. Retailers understand that. That's the good news. Um, if you sell your products to other people and allow them to sell it online, and then they, they start price warring with you uh, and prices change daily. That's what will get a retailer concerned. Got it. Yeah. So uh, Tim, a, a couple of uh, things that you mentioned that I thought were, um, were, were really important. One is, you know, diversification. So like <clears throat> so many people call themselves Amazon sellers and that's what I used to call myself. Right. But that's actually not what you should be calling yourself. You should be calling yourself a brand. That's a, that's a better way to, to focus it or an entrepreneur or however you want to phrase it, but you don't want to be an Amazon seller because, you know, I keep saying <clears throat> Amazon is the MySpace of e-commerce and people laugh at me, but I truly believe that. I feel like there's going to be uh, a, an iteration. Somebody's going to come up with a better system. I still think, you know, Facebook is one of those who they could flip a few switches and, and give Amazon a huge run for their money really quickly. But that being said, I think you're spot on. I think that you need to find opportunity wherever you can and diversify. One of the things that, uh, you know, I, Amy and I have barely talked for weeks now because I've been so friggin' busy. Um, you know, normally we do some, uh, some, some, uh, seller fulfilled, but since this thing started, um, you know, and we have backup stock just for not, I mean, you know, never a pandemic reason, but we always just have stock as backup just, for Q4, that's a huge thing that that is a secret to our success. If we run out of Amazon, we've got backup stock that we have. But it's been super useful now because we've got all this stock that nobody else does. So we're getting tons and tons of orders. And because everyone here is, is quarantined, you know, I'm having to do a lot of the shipments myself. And we're talking 100 plus shipments a day that I've been shipping out. Um, so it's been crazy, but I don't want my products on Amazon to lose rank and things like that. So it's, you know, it's just something that I'm, I, you know, last night I worked till midnight. Um, but it's just something that I'm doing because, you know, I, I want my business to continue through this and, and stay strong and come out even stronger. And, you know, I keep telling people, you can use this either as, you know, you know, hang your head and, and think that the world is going to end, or you can just start looking for opportunities. And I swear for me, I always, for some reason, operate better in a down economy. I mean, I had a, I had a seven figure app business, you know, and almost felt guilty, like in 08, 09, you know, right around there when everyone else was hurting because, you know, we had this, this business that, you know, we were crushing it on. And I think it was all perspective. I, I don't look at the economy, you know, and decide how my business is going to run because of that economy. I just think of, you know, that, that little bit of extra pressure on yourself to say, Hey, you know, I've got a family to feed. How am I going to, going to, you know, get things done. And I think diversification is one of the absolute best things you can do. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you say something about, building a business and having a brand and having a company. Um, I, I think that there's a big 
misconception out there on, uh, for people on, hey, I have a product, I sell it on Amazon, therefore um, I have a company. And that's not necessarily true. It's not ne even necessarily true that you have a brand. And retailers want to work with brands. They want to work with companies. They want to work with people that have a following and have influence. And so in this downtime right now, when, you, when you're, maybe your, your product is uh, not shipping like you want it to, and maybe you have some extra time in your hands, now's the time that you can start to build your brand. Get online, get your social up and running. Um, start talking to some influencers about your product. Also, every, you know, we talked about this on, uh, we had a discussion on my Facebook page, but you know, everybody's thinking about pivot here, pivot here. You know, I wanna sell masks, I wanna sell this, I wanna sell that. You know, just try to figure out where your product fits into the new reality of what's gonna happen when this thing slows down. And lean into that. Don't don't necessarily look to change everything. There's a way that you could pivot pivot your own current product into the new reality of uh, of what people are going to deal with. And maybe that's some new verbiage, or maybe it's just simply a new way that you're going to talk about it. Um, or maybe you know manufacturing, you can tweak one of your products to to, to more meet the needs of, of what people will have. But um, I I agree. You know, just selling a product, being an Amazon seller, is not a brand. Uh, and, and right now. Like I said, the reason why a lot of retailers don't dip into Amazon to find hot products is because they know those products aren't brands yet and they need it to be that. They, they want it to be that before they, they start engaging with it. What, uh, so Tim, if, if I was a Amazon brand and you know, I, wanna, I wanna start dipping my toes in retail, what, uh, you know, what channels uh, would I look at first in terms of big box? Uh, you know, would, would I go to Walmart? Would I go to Costco? Does it, um, you know, the type of product matter, which I'm, I'm sure it does, but kind of, can you give us some overview on, on, you know, how somebody should go about, you know, deciding on where they should start to try to get into? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that, you know, for, for those of you who know me, you're going to know the answer to that. And it's going to, it's going to talk a little bit about your sales story, right? So, you can't have a product on Amazon and then think that you're going to pivot it right to Costco or, or Target. Uh, it, well, I guess it, you could. It, it would depend on, you know, if you're the biggest seller of that product and, you know, you want to, you, you can talk about that. But buyers need to see a progression of what you're doing before you land on their doorstep. So you put it on, you, you know, you had the inception of your product. Um, you made your first prototype. You put it on your own website. Then you put it on Amazon. Your sales on Amazon last couple of years have doubled, tripled every year. Uh, so you put it out there in, in some uh, specialty retailers. Now you have a couple hundred specialty retailers selling your product. They have, a, let's say, a 72% reorder rate. Um, and you diced it out to a couple bigger retailers regionally. And now that's now Mr. Target Buyer, Mrs. Target Buyer. Uh, that's why I'm now on your doorstep because I've done these things and my product has progressed through every stage of its sales story and it has led me here to you. Now that's, it. that's something that will be interesting to a, a big retail buyer like Target or Costco or Walmart. Okay, that actual progression makes sense. What doesn't make sense to them is, hey, I have a product, we've been selling it pretty good on Amazon, now I'm on your doorstep. Um, okay, well, you need to be on a couple other people's doorsteps before you get to mine, because this is the big leagues. You can't go from you know, T-ball to the majors, um, you know, so to speak, and, and, uh, and so, Think in terms of, and, and for your listeners, think in terms, always, always, always think in terms of how does what I'm doing fit into my sales story, the progression of my business, the progression of my product, what am I doing something that is a logical next step in that progression that, that gives it uh, an advantage in, in what we're doing, or 
do I constantly pivot so that my product never actually has a chance to evolve? Yeah, that's, that's Does that make really, sense? Yeah, it's a really good point. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.